Thanks to the people who have started leaving me text messages with the new feature. But remember, it's a one-way medium, so please include your email address or any other way of getting back in touch with you. Or, if you'd like to leave me voicemail, just go to the website at bookkeepermensch.com, scroll down a little bit on the main page, and leave me voicemail. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. Paul Rosenblum is a bookkeeper, not an accountant or a CPA. Although the information comes from accounting professionals, the information in this podcast is meant to give you enough good information to have a conversation and dialogue with your tax professional about subjects discussed on this podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Not Boring, Boring Small Business Bookkeeping and Accounting Podcast. Today, I want to spend some time on a subject that comes up all 12 months of the year, especially during tax season. And that subject is 1099 subcontractors versus W-2 employee status. In the 1950s and 1960s, most people worked for corporations, and other types of businesses, and got paid every week or every two weeks like clockwork. A 35 to a 40-hour work week was pretty standard, along with some possible overtime. If you worked for a company for 25 years, you would get a present or a plaque on the wall. Or when you became 65, you'd get a retirement party and a gold watch for your many years of service. The standard was having a place to go to every day, a desk or an office that was assigned to you alone, and a schedule that was the same routine every day. There was even a movie about that with Dolly Parton and Lily Tomlin called 9 to 5. What you got as a W-2 employee was a guaranteed paycheck every pay period, vacation days every year that would increase with the more time you were employed at the company, life insurance benefits, 401k benefits, sick days, and have the company who pays you do the administrative work so that your taxes would be deducted from your paycheck before you got your take-home pay or what we call in accounting net payroll. You also got protection from the State Labor Commission to protect you from being fired for absolutely no cause. The company who you worked for got an employee working the schedule that the company wanted you to work, a desk or an office where the company wanted to place you, and to have people conform to their way of doing things 35 to 40 hours a week or more if you're salaried, 52 weeks a year, mandatory company picnics, and mandatory holiday parties. This was the standard since way before I was born, and many people, even after COVID, are still working as a W-2 employee for a small or a large company. My father was a business owner in the 1950s through the 1990s when relatively few people owned their own businesses. Being a business owner 
doesn't guarantee you a weekly or a monthly paycheck. And figuring out taxes as a self-employed individual is very different than being an employee of a large company. More and more people have been leaving the W-2 world and starting their own businesses in the last 20 to 30 years. When you become self-employed and own your own business and get to the point that you want to hire your own people, it's not as easy as it sounds. Do you hire a W-2 employee or do you hire an independent contractor who you pay an hourly or a daily rate to rather than handle their IRS and state taxes through a traditional paycheck? Well, I have bad news for you business owners. It's not your choice on the status of who you hire. There are specific rules that governs W-2 employees versus the 1099 independent subcontracted services people. We have talked about W-2 employees, that is, the company deducts an employee's payroll taxes from their paycheck before the employee gets their take-home pay or net payroll, and the company pays the employees and their share of IRS and state payroll taxes for the right to hire an employee and have that individual under their control 35 to 40 hours a week or more if they're salaried or working overtime. But subcontractors are different. Any kind of subcontractor should be some kind of a registered business. Even an individual, and we've talked about this in an earlier episode of this series, a sole proprietorship is a registered business entity for an individual, independent, freelance worker. So if you are an individual who has a specific skill set and you perform or want to perform your labor for more than one company, or sometimes one company, who would hire you, then you would be classified as a subcontractor. A subcontractor doesn't have a paycheck, per se, no taxes deducted for the subcontractor's earnings. The subcontractor charges an hourly or a daily fee, or in many cases, a fee for the entirety of a particular job. For an example, if the daily fee is $300, then at the end of the day, you would get paid $300, which is counted as taxable income by the IRS. However, since the individual is a subcontractor and the business, there will be tax deductible expenses that you can then take off and deduct from your taxable income. By deducting expenses that the IRS allows you to deduct, and that's another upcoming episode of this series. So the $300 income that you earned for the day might end up being $200 of taxable income if you have legitimately $100 of business deductible expenses that the IRS allows you to take. Just because you think it's a better deal to be a subcontractor, or the company who hires you doesn't want to pay their share of the IRS and state taxes on your behalf, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are allowed to be classified as a subcontractor. The full term independent subcontractor 
or subcontracted services means just that, independent. In other words, unlike a W-2 employee who is given a schedule by the employer and an office or a desk, a lunch hour, overtime pay, maybe a dress code, etc., an independent contractor is his or her own company. The best example that I always give is a plumber. If you have a leak and you need a plumber, when you contact the plumbing company, you don't tell them when you want them to show up. You don't tell them what you want them to wear. You don't tell them how much you're going to pay them. And you don't tell them when they can take lunch or breaks. In reality, the plumber will tell you when they can get there, what they will be charging you and when they are going to take a break for lunch or go out and get parts if needed. When hiring a subcontractor, you are hiring an individual or a company who might subcontract an individual to perform the service for you. They will not need supervision. They know how to do what they do because they're the experts, and they will either bill you or give you a receipt for your payment right at the time of the service if requested. If you as a business owner need to hire a worker and you both agree that the worker is on a schedule and you give them a workplace, a desk, a chair, a computer, a phone, etc., then that person should be a part-time or a full-time W-2 employee. When I used to travel around to different clients' office to do bookkeeping, I was always very careful. I would bring my own laptop that I can use, my own pen, my own equipment, my own everything, so that I can go in the back room somewhere, not sit at an employee's desk or workstation, since I was not an employee of my client's company. When I do bookkeeping from my office, no one is there to supervise me. People can request that I get their books done early in the month, but there's nothing forcing me to do that. However, as an independent subcontractor, I have no job security. So if I don't get the books to a client early enough in the month, they can always say, hey, I want my books by the 10th of every month. And if I don't get them by the 10th of every month, I don't need you doing my books anymore. I'll find somebody else. And that could be the last month that I would be their bookkeeper. In reality, to me, that never happens, but it could. I have my own office, my own equipment, my own schedule, and I am being relied on to do bookkeeping in an accurate way because I'm hired as an expert subcontractor. No supervision is necessary. If people don't like the service that I'm providing, they don't have to use me. They could move on to another bookkeeper or bookkeeping service without any notice at all. Supervision is a big item in the IRS checklist. If you hire a subcontractor for an event company, For one example, and you have any kind of a sign-in sheet or a time clock or a phone app to let you know when the subcontractor shows up, right there, that could classify your subcontractors 
as W-2 employees. The State Labor Board can give you a tremendous fight if they find out because it's considered supervision. And once the state gets involved, the IRS will follow since they work together on these matters. The 1099 NEC, or non-employee compensation, is the most common 1099 form that is created and filed with the IRS and sent to the recipient on January 31st of every year for the previous year. If you pay someone using Zelle, Venmo, cash, yes, cash, debit card, check, or wire transfer, your company is responsible to provide a 1099 to them. The $600 threshold means that once you pay that person or company $600 for a previous year, then a 1099 in January of the next year is in their and your future. However, one of the exceptions is if you pay a lawyer, for an example, even $200, which is way under the $600 threshold, they'd still get a 1099 form. The other exception is if you pay using a credit card, not a debit card, but a credit card, then the credit card company will provide a 1099-K to the recipient automatically. So if you can pay a subcontractor with a credit card, it's less work and less headaches for you and your bookkeeper in January of every year. How do you get the information from the subcontractor or the subcontracted company or individual so you have the information to create a 1099, you ask? That form is called a W-9. It's available at www.irs.gov for easy download. You can email the form to every person or a company who you pay who could be eligible for a 1099. Corporations are not eligible, but most of the time you might not know if you're paying a corporation or an LLC or a sole sole proprietorship without getting that W-9 form. The W-9 form is an information form for you. It doesn't get mailed to the IRS or to your state, but you do need to keep them for any potential state audits. More about the 1099 miscellaneous form in another episode. So as always, please email your questions and comments to either bookkeepermensch at gmail.com or numerex at numerex online. That's N-U-M-E-R-E-X at numerexonline.com. Again, as always, thanks for listening, and until next time, I'm Paul Rosenblum.